0: Hello my friends this is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster Pennsylvania I trust you and your family your household you're doing well and are blessed in the name of Jesus Praise God we are in the subject of the blood covenant that's the greatest subject that we are talking about and yesterday we finished our point about uh, uh, why the old why the new covenant is far greater than and superior to the Old Covenant. And so I gave you all those reasons. I believe there were 26 reasons why the New Covenant was superior to the Old Covenant. And now, <coughs> sorry, now we, we, are, we are going to talk about some of the uh, attributes of the New Covenant. And the first thing is that every... Um, Jehovah promise. You know, as I said in the Old Covenant, Jehovah was God's covenant name. And there were these names that were uh, through which with which God revealed himself, but they were prefixed with Jehovah, like Jehovah Nissi. I'm the Lord, your banner of victory. Jehovah Shammah. I'm the Lord, the ever-present one. The ever-present one. Yahweh Rafa. Jehovah Rafa. I'm uh, the Lord, your physician. The Lord, your healer. So... Oh, if all those attributes, I'm your healer, I'm your physician, and, and, and I'm the always present one, I'm your victory, I'm your shepherd, all those attributes are found in the New Covenant. And not only that, but even more, even more. There are some attributes that you don't have in the Old Covenant that you have in the New Covenant. So we're going to go through all that so that you understand um, that the new covenant is greater than the old covenant, and that everything that was in the old covenant is actually found in the new covenant, but they are kind of magnified and amplified. Now, the first attribute we're going to talk about is in the old covenant you had Yahweh Shammah or Jehovah Shammah, which means I'm the Lord who is ever present, who is always present, and we have that in the new covenant, the presence of God. Now, I must, uh, I must add a couple of things here. Uh, the first thing is that uh, uh, in the old covenant, God's presence, of course, God is always omnipresent. Omnipresent means God is everywhere at the same time, all the time. He fills the whole universe with his present presence, but there is a manifested presence. That means where his presence, is, his presence is manifested. And in the Old Covenant, the manifested presence of God was first in the tabernacle that Moses had built, the tabernacle. And so if Moses wanted to inquire of the Lord, that is where he went to. That is where God would speak to him. And uh, uh, the second place where the presence was manifested was uh, the Temple that Solomon had built, and the Temple kind of replaced the Tabernacle, and the Holiest of Holies in the Temple. That is the place where God manifested his presence. But that doesn't mean that any Israelite could uh, just come there and have a personal one-on-one encounter with God. That was not promised, uh, but we're we're going we're, we're to talk about that a little bit more. But here's the thing in the new testament we don't have tents and buildings but God lives in the human heart because uh, uh, when Jesus looked at the temple he said he prophesied he says you know this building is going to be knocked down what not one stone shall be left upon the other and the bible then says that God doesn't live in buildings made by human hands, made by stone, but he lives in the human heart. And in the New Covenant, God has chosen to live in our hearts. And so we are the temple of God. Okay. It's not a building. We are the temple of God. And the Bible says that we are the, you know, your body, actually your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So, which is uh, important to consider. If you're going to keep your body, because because your body is the temple, you have to keep your body holy. Don't pollute it with things that would damage the body, uh, things that are harmful, with addictions or with sins uh, that, um, uh, you know, sexual sins and other sins. And if you ever do any of these things, be quick to repent. In brokenness before God sincere repentance because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and do not give the devil the opportunity the open door to come into your body and do with your body what he wants to that is that is one of the main reasons God hates sickness and disease because sickness and disease is designed to destroy God's temple which is your body so you have to protect your body speak the scripture by speaking the Word of God over your body you know, speak the word over of, of your body, and the second thing you do is to live free from uh, from things that can damage your body. Uh, you know, so it's very, very important that we consecrate our bodies to the Lord as His temple. Now, some people say, "Well, you know," uh, they say, "Sunday morning, I'm going." We, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, they quote the Psalms, "Let us go into the house of the Lord and the house of the Lord." Uh, would be the church that you go to, whatever church it is. But now listen, the church is not the house of God. Okay. The Bible doesn't say that a church building is the house of God. You are the house of God. But now, but what is the church building? Well, the church building is a place of worship that is designated and consecrated for the worship of God, and that is a good thing because we do need places to meet. We can meet in homes, but there's a uh, there's something uh, about the assembling together of the saints, you know. In because it, you see that in the in the New Testament, people met in homes, but they also met in in larger gatherings. And I can't have a thousand people in my home. I can't invite the whole of the worship center to come to my house. I can't. So I go there. That's where everybody comes. So the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together of the saints. So it is important for that we need these buildings and, and but these buildings are consecrated and they are, they are dedicated for the worship of God. And when that happens, those buildings should be consecrated and dedicated to the worship of God alone. And now, this is my view. You might not agree with it, and there are some pastors who rent their building, buildings out for secular purposes. Now, I I would not do this, okay? I'm sorry. if You may disagree with me, but it's, it's not a matter of life and death for me. It's not a huge thing for me, but just I'm just saying it because if a building is dedicated and consecrated for the worship of, of the Lord, I don't think it should be used for any Uh, other um, activity which has nothing to do with the worship of God, okay. So anyway, but the building itself is not the house of God, but the building itself, we must take care of the house of God. It's a place of worship. It's consecrated for worship. It's where the word of God is preached and that makes it special and unique, and we should keep it that way, but you are the temple of God. You have to keep your body clean clean from sinful activities and because honor respect your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit so as long as you're going to live on this earth say as long as I'm going to live on this earth my body is a temple of God this is what the Lord has said and I'm going to consecrate my body unto him and keep it holy okay so that is one thing they didn't have the old testament that man being the dwelling place of god they didn't the presence of god was always in the tent or in the building it was never in the dwelling place of god now the other thing they did not have was that they did not have this one-on-one god encounter now there were times when the angel of the lord would <coughs> appear you know and uh and the Lord spoke to Abraham, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and spoke to him. There were those times in the Bible, but very, very special with a uh, special uh, purpose had to do with the, uh, you know, with God's plans and purposes for mankind and for Israel and all that. But it was never that one-on-one thing, but like, for example, when, uh, let me, let me give you an example of what I mean. When I was in uh, in prison for preaching the gospel for almost a year, and there was a time I was really uh, despairing, as I said, Lord, I'm here, and is it is it a big mistake I've made giving my life, leaving Islam, preaching? Uh, you know, preaching Jesus, losing my family, losing my position, losing everything, my place in society, and I'm and I'm in prison. Is this all for nothing? I just needed to know. And then suddenly, I remember the presence of God came to that place. I began to tremble and shake, and it was like a mist came to that place. And I knew that the Lord was there. And uh, and I heard this. Words from Matthew. which says, "I was in prison, and you came unto me, and the Lord touched my heart. My whole body was shaking and trembling, and and the bed I was laying in was also shaking. So I knew that Jesus had visited me in that in that prison. But it was for me. It was not for the nation or anything. But you know, they didn't have much of that in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, because uh, not only I, but many other many. Of my friends have had similar God encounters, one-on-one encounters with God, uh, in which God came and touched them and did something in my life. Another time I remember when I was Uh, and I think it was 1985 I was at a prayer meeting and I left my body I could see my body there and I was leaving my body and then I was ascending through space and I came to heaven and I remember walking through the pearly gates I saw heaven I walked in heaven I saw Jesus and then I came back so that that was that that a divine encounter and 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 so those encounters with the holy one it's not the experience of the encounter but it is who you encounter it is jesus hallelujah so uh, anyway so he those are the ways he manifests and shows his presence to us we know that he's yahweh shammah not because he's in the tent or he's in that building but He lives in me and he speaks to me. He shows his presence to me in many ways, every single day. Okay. So anyway, so let's talk about Yahweh Shammah. The first scripture I want to share with you is Matthew 18 verse 20, where he says, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. For where two or three. Two People or three people are gathered together in the name of Jesus, I'm there in the midst of them. So, this is what the Lord has, has promised not where two or three people are just gathered, but two or three people are gathered in my name. So, when we gather together in the name of Jesus, um, He's there in the midst of us. Now, uh, we to, to truly experience this. The important thing is that we learn to acknowledge his presence. And we do that by faith and we do that largely by the word of our mouth. So when I'm with, uh, sometimes when I'm praying with somebody for uh, you know, a, a special touch of God or a sick person. Uh, if there's two or three people around, <laughs> I gathered them together and I always said, Lord, you said you have said in your word where two or three are gathered together in your name. You are there in the midst of them. So Lord, we acknowledge your presence in this place because there's we are three people or we are two people here. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I acknowledge your presence. So then I begin to worship him. And when I do that, the presence of God comes. Now, it is very important that you've got to understand this is not just by default that we don't even acknowledge it. Oh, we are two or three people here. So, you know, you can't, you can't, it doesn't go by default. It goes by faith and by acknowledgement of the fact. And one of the ways you release your faith is by the words of your mouth. Now, I know there's a lot of people who have an aversion towards confession of the word because they hear things thing about like name it and claim it. You know, people say uh, stupid things. Oh, I claim this Cadillac and I claim that uh, that, that Rolls Royce, you know, and, and, and so and, and people make fun of it. Listen, don't make fun of things. Just because somebody else misuses it, okay? There's there's a lot of things. For for example, there's, there's people who may who make fun of speaking in tongues. That doesn't mean you will stop speaking in tongues. Why? Because speaking in tongues is something that is holy. Just because somebody ridicules makes fun of something holy, just don't make that the subject of a joke. Okay? Now I know certain things are funny. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I get a good laugh out of. Uh, funny things people do. Like, you know, sometimes uh, I one of my funny jokes is like this lady in Sweden. She prophesied and she got up and said, Toot toot says the trumpet of the Lord. And then she sat down. I, thought, I always thought that was funny. That was like 30, 40 years ago. I always thought that was funny. But I'm not making fun of a holy thing. I'm just having fun out of a, a situation. But uh, speaking in tongues is a holy thing, right? So don't, if, if someone speaks in tongues in a way that you sounds funny, just, just be quiet. Don't, just don't make fun of things. Don't ridicule things like that. So don't ridicule confession. Just because somebody else is, 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 is name it and claim it a car or something, just don't make fun of it because, I tell you why, because you see the, the doctrine of confessing the word is in the Bible. Because the Bible says that life and death are in your tongue. So there is an element of creative power in your tongue. So because God used his word to create all things. So when we speak the word, it actually releases the power of God into people's situation into people's situations, into circumstances, and we speak the word of God. You speak the word of God over your children, over your family. If there's sickness, you speak the word of God of healing. By the stripes I'm healed. So, you know, you learn to speak the word of God. now. And then when, when you are when standing in faith for something, even if your body is sick, you say, Lord, I have prayed and your word declares by your stripes I am healed. I believe it. I acknowledge it. And I receive it by faith. And I declare that by your stripes I am healed. Those are holy things. Now, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because somebody... Has misused it. So, but my whole point is that we must acknowledge the presence of Jesus. That's why uh, we must say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have said where two or three are gathered together in your name, you're there in the midst of them. So, Lord, I acknowledge your presence in this place. I thank you that you are here. You are thank you. I thank you that you're with me and you will never leave me nor forsake me. And I thank you. I acknowledge your presence in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we acknowledge his presence, and when we acknowledge his presence, and then his, his presence shows up. So, you know, now another thing is that when I'm doing my crusades in Africa, we see all these miracles, and then people ask me, uh, how do you feel when miracles happen? How how do you feel? I said, what do you mean how I feel? No, but when blind eyes get open, <coughs> sorry, deaf ears are open, lame people are walking, you must feel something. I said, no, I, most of the time I feel nothing. And because now here's what I've done. I've learned to detach myself from certain things that are good, but... Uh, uh but we shouldn 't learn to be dependent upon those things. One is music, for example, when I'm preaching in a church, I like it when there's a good anointed musician who knows how to plays play the organ because i know I know times when when I have got an uh, a, a pianist or an organist who is right on the ball with me and he and he begins to play i I can sense the how the spirit of God comes down because now good music can can uh, actually open the door and roll out the red carpet for the Holy Spirit. David, you remember when he would play the harp? The Spirit of God would come and it would alleviate uh, uh, the torture that Saul was going through. So good anointed music is a good thing. It's a great thing. So never make fun of it. And uh, so, I mean, I know many churches I go to, they've got good singers, good musicians but they don't carry the anointing. Most of the Pentecostal churches I go to, very few of them have good anointed musicians. They've got good musicians who are skilled musicians, but they don't understand the anointing. They don't understand the flow of the spirit, but those that do, oh my goodness, the anointing comes down. But here's the thing. The thing is that I've learned to make myself not dependent upon that because once you begin dependent upon that, you need that all the time, and you can't minister without that. And when I'm in Africa out there, and you've got this crowd in front of you, and you've got people smoking their cigarettes and staring at you, and people laughing, talking to each other, babies, uh, you know, crying, and you, you, you've got all that. So you can't, you can't really make yourself dependent upon those things. The other thing, you can't depend depend upon the, you know, the atmosphere of faith that you look up the crowd and everybody's a strong believer. And so, you know, God is going to move because everybody's on the same page. You've got to learn to detach yourself from them. So if I detach myself from those things, what are the things that I believe in that are a catalyst for God to move with miracles? Well, it's two things. Firstly, I believe this. I have developed this in my spirit that every time I preach the word, God is going to confirm his word with signs following. And the Lord said, as long as you preach my word, I will be there because I have promised to back up my word. So I make sure that I stay on the word and I preach the word. That's the first thing I do. The second thing is that I depend upon is this scripture, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm there in the midst of them. So I look around the crowd, I say, Father, we are here. I'm here and Pastor Mavondo, my team leader is here. Farai is here. Brighton is here. My team, we are here. I don't know the thousands of the people, why they're here, but there's a whole, there's a bunch of us. And we are here in the name of Jesus. And because we are here, you are here. And because you are here and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, you are going to do miracles in this place. Hallelujah. So we have learned to be dependent upon that. Where two or three of us are gathered together in my name I am in the midst of them, okay? Now, the next scripture I want to show you is 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in him. So, we say says that we have come to know, know not just in theory, but experientially. We have come to know by experience. The, and to believe the love that God has for us. So when my heart is established in the fact that God loves me and I know it beyond the shadow of a doubt by experience and and by faith, I have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us and that God is love. Not that God has love. God has love, but it's more than that. God is love. That is a part of the nature of God. Love isn't just a character attribute that God has, but love is the nature of God. He says, God is love, and whosoever abides in love abides in God. So if I live in the love of God, then I, I abide in God, and God abides in Him. So that is how I have the presence of God in my life. because God lives in me. To abide isn't just to visit. You know people talk about a visitation from God. Visitation is when God comes, visits, and then he says my visit is over I'm going back home. But his abiding presence means when he comes in with his luggage and he settles down and And he makes a place for himself and he lives in a house as a member of the family. That's the presence of God. It says God abides in him because we abide in the love of God. So when we abide in God's love, we abide in God and God abides in us. So that is why it is so important for us to develop that we 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 love people. We love people. Even if we don't agree with them or we don't vote for them. We love them. We agree with them. Now, I'm just saying this. I know I'm stepping on some dangerous ground, but we, you know, we have this election season coming up, right? And one of the things I hate, I mean, I hate it, is I I see on people, people on Facebook, they're vilifying Hillary Clinton. They're vilifying uh, Joe Biden. Now, listen, I'm a Christian, right? I don't, I don't agree with with the things that they believe in, especially the moral issues. I have zero agreement with the moral issues, but I have a, aversion to uh, when people vilify them or you know perform character assassination with them, and and then 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 forward unsubstantiated things about them that just speak negative of them. And the thing about here in America, if there's enough people saying bad things about somebody, that bad things become true. For them it does because there's plenty of people saying those things. And so I have an aversion. So what, what, where that places me, so I have an aversion. Firstly, I have an aversion towards the, the things that these, that these politicians believe in, but I also have an equal amount of aversion for the Christian's uh, uh, viewpoints who I may agree with what they say, but I have an aversion for the spirit with which they say those things, if you get me wrong. Because the thing is that in my understanding of the Bible, it is important that that. Uh, that we walk in love towards all people we can disagree with people and we can uh, we we can i mean we can make our disagreement known i i don't believe in this but at the same time i respect them as fellow human beings and i always keep in mind the fact that jesus died for them as much as he died for me and that jesus loves them just as much he loves me so we have to we have to remember that so we 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 can't lose sight of that because the moment we lose sight of that then what happens we begin to vilify certain people because we don't agree with their views and 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 we begin to or in other words we begin to demonize fellow human beings we do not have the right to demonize or to vilify other people we may not agree with them yes there are certain things i don't believe in because they're against the Bible. Yeah, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, for example, abortion is a sin. And I, I don't, I would never agree with that. But there's people who do believe in abortion and they push it. and they, But I will always love them. I will never vilify them. I will never demonize them. Because when I begin to vilify and to demonize people, I stop loving them. And when I stop loving them, it puts me in a place where I can never pray that Jesus saves them. What if that person got saved and stands next to you as a brother someday? And... Would you rejoice? Yes, you would rejoice. But by vilifying them, demonizing them, you're shutting the door. Because God calls us to pray for sinners. God calls, you know, the Bible says uh, that, 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 that we should love those who despise us, who persecute us. And these people are not persecuting us or despising us or whatever they are doing. They are just against what we believe. But you see, here's the thing that if we want that abiding presence of God in our lives... If we have to abide in love, that is, you may not like what I'm saying. You might think I'm a, uh, that's fine. You can think of me, whatever you like. But this is what my Bible says, that whoever abides in love, abides in God. And a person who abides in love will not go around vilifying and demonizing and spreading bad things about people. He will not do that. He will only speak The word of God, because even in the worst people, you will always find something that is redemptive, that Jesus can take a hold of and 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 touch that person. Because if Jesus could save me, he can save anybody. If Jesus could save you, he can save anybody. So never shut the door to a person's, uh, uh, you you know. uh, Ability to receive Jesus just because we as Christians, the ones who should be preaching the gospel to them, the ones who will be who should be praying for them, the ones who should be speaking the word of God about them, we choose instead to use our computers or to open our mouth and vilify them and demonize them. I refuse to be part of it, and not all, and I that's why I refuse to stand with people with those views. But I also refuse to stand with Christians whose views I agree with, but who carry themselves with that kind of spirit of vilification and demonizing others. It's just because my allegiance to Jesus Christ is greater than any other allegiance on this earth. Now you may not like me for saying this but that's just the way it is because here it says if we abide in love we abide in God and God abides in us. So if we want the abiding presence of God in our lives we have to abide in love and live in love and walk in love and, 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 and be very careful how we say we can say look you know what